Good morning, and thank you for tuning in and listening to this week's message of hope on KBR News Radio, 99.3 FM and 1490 AM from First Christian Church of Burlington. We hope that this week's message helps you grow in your faith and share God's love. This week, our senior pastor, Dave Yonker, continues our new Blueprint sermon series, Sketching Out an Unexpected Life, with scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 34, through chapter 16, verse 13, titled Full Heart. Stay tuned after the message for music and to learn more about First Christian Church of Burlington. Will you join me in prayer? O God, our refuge and strength, we give you thanks that when we appear before the judgment seat of Christ, we can have courage since he intercedes on our behalf. In spite of our rebellion and betrayal, your mercy covers us and we respond with repentance. We give thanks for your covenant, which spans generations. Through scripture, we hear again the promise that you will not forsake us. Those who have gone before now dwell with assurance of your eternal presence. We trust that those who come after us will inherit your favor. We stand in succession of those called your people, redeemed and forgiven thanks to your grace. God, our Father, we give you thanks and praise for fathers young and old. We pray for young fathers, newly embracing their vocation. May they find courage and perseverance to balance work, family, and faith and joy and sacrifice. We pray for fathers around the world whose children are lost or suffering. May they know that the God of compassion walks with them in their sorrow. We pray for men who are not fathers, but still mentor and guide us with fatherly love and advice. We remember fathers, grandfathers, and great-grandfathers who are no longer with us, but who live forever in our memory and nourish us with their love. And we pray for people who never knew the love of a father. May they know Christ called you Father, for the world and all that is in it is yours. Through Christ's intercession, we are encouraged to pray for your wisdom and guidance. Help us to learn from the struggles of history that weapons are no substitute for feeding the hungry. Make us as eager to help others shape their own destiny as we are zealous in protecting our rights. We need to hear again how to beat implements of war into instruments of peace. O Lord, make us agents of your peace. And when we stand before the judgment seat, grant that we have acted to ease pain, given refuge to those who needed shelter, worked for families to stay together, and helped the oppressed live with dignity. Through our faithful response, may the naked have been clothed, the sick made well, O Lord, your encouragement makes us bold and your grace empowers us to live as those who share your love for all. 
your Son, Christ. His intercession gives us hope. Hope that it is not all up to us. Hope that we are made strong through you by the Spirit. O refuge and strength, we give you thanks. And now, let us continue this prayer by praying the word Christ taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This morning's scripture comes from the book of First Samuel. We will read verses 34 and 35 of chapter 15, and the first 13 verses of chapter 16. Here begins the reading. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gebeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and send out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. 
Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. Here endeth the reading. We are continuing with our Blueprints sermon series here today. Much like you can't always see what someone is like on the inside, what makes them tick, just by looking at what kind of car they drive, what their social media feed looks like, how they dress, and what they do for a living, but to really get down and see who they really are on the inside, you have to get to know them. So it is in this sermon series, as we talk about sketching out an unexpected life, working to find God, not just in those things that are on the outside, not just in the finished product of what you may see in like the last five minutes of a show like Fixer Upper on HGTV, missing all the hard work that it took to reach that finished product. So it is as we search to find God in the places down below the surface, in those places that you may not expect. In this series, we have been following the book of 1 Samuel. We heard the very first week about Samuel's call to be a prophet. Last week, we heard about Samuel's dealings with God's people who were loved by God, even though they made the dumbest of decisions and chose the wrong over the good. God loved them anyway by God's grace. And so here today, the story continues. Now, I want to tell you a secret, and I don't want you to tell anybody what I'm going to tell you, so keep it between us. I found this out last week, and since I found it out, I have been dying to tell someone about it, and you are it. Aren't you so glad? Lucky you, you are it. Actually, lots of people may already know this, because, well... When it comes to knowing these type of things, I'm like the last person to find out about these things. I actually texted my wife Liz this week as I was doing some research online and found out about this. I texted her, do you know about this? And she said in the most loving and kind way that you can through a text, where have you been? How can you not know about this? And so this is it. If you are ready. In movies that are produced and made by Pixar, there are these things called Easter eggs. Not like candy Easter eggs on Easter, but Easter eggs that you have to hunt for. In the movie Toy Story 1 and 2 and 3 and Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo in The Incredibles and Up and tons of others, there are these inside jokes These themes that run throughout all the movies, they are everywhere. Characters appear in movies that are not their own movies in which they're the star. It's like this. In the movie Finding Nemo, that's about a fish, after all, there is this scene where there's a treasure chest full of toys, and one of the toys is Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story. Also in the movie Finding Nemo, there is this kid sitting down to read this comic book, and the comic book that he's reading is a movie that wasn't even made yet, the movie The Incredibles. 
In the movie Monsters, Inc., this little girl, Boo, tries to give the monster Sully her toy, and the toy is Nemo from Finding Nemo. And one of the coolest things ever is, is this kind of series of numbers and letters, A113. It shows up all over the place. License plates, room numbers, it is everywhere. It is actually in Incredibles 2, which came out on Friday. I saw it. I won't spoil it for you, but it is there if you go and see Incredibles 2. A113 was the classroom at the California Institute of Art, where a bunch of the Pixar directors went to school and met. And when they were in classes together, and so to kind of pay tribute to their old classroom at Cal Arts, A113 shows up everywhere. Now I'm telling all of you this, not because you came into the church and you said, man, I hope the sermon is about random things about films that no one else cares about, because none of you all said that. But I tell you about Easter eggs in Pixar movies because in order to see them, you have to be looking for them. If you are just watching the movie to watch it, if you are in the theater here in town and you've paid the extra two bucks for those great seats that like recline and that are heated and you have your popcorn and your candy and your soda and your feet are up and you are simply there to just to enjoy the show for the pure state of mind of entertainment, you may not notice these things as they pass by. You may simply enjoy the story the wonderful story for what it is. But in these movies, at least, there is much more going on down below the surface that you miss. It's like that you see in the Bible. You see, in the story that we heard, this guy Saul was king. Saul had issues and all kinds of problems. The scriptures even said that the Lord God was sorry that he made Saul king in the first place. And so it was time for a new king in the land. And so Samuel set out to Bethlehem because the Lord said that there amongst all the sons of Jesse, he would find a new king. Now, when you stop and think this should have been a quick trip down to Bethlehem to find this new king. It should have been the oldest son. It should have been the firstborn male. It should have been kind of zip-zap Bethlehem and back for Samuel. Bring out the oldest, hand him the crown. There you go. That is it. It's just like in the United Kingdom of Princess Diana's two sons. The oldest in line is William. He is the one. Even though Harry had all the pomp and circumstance with the royal wedding, he simply plays second fiddle. It should have been like that for Samuel in Bethlehem. But when the oldest appeared, the Lord said, Do not look on his outward appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortal sees. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so you can imagine the scene. All the sons come parading by. The first one, nope. Second one, nope. Third one, nada. Fourth one, sorry. Keep on moving. Everybody come through. All the sons have gone by and the Lord hasn't chosen a one. And Samuel has to ask, 
Is there anyone else? And Jesse kind of hems and haws and says, well, there is one more. The youngest, the smallest, at home keeping the sheep. Not even worthy to come to the king's selection show, simply home to watch the flock. They send for him and they bring him back and his name is David. And they say, you're it. And they anoint him with oil in the presence of his father and his brothers and the spirit of God comes upon him and it is now set. After all the other brothers had passed by who were bigger and stronger and better, David, the youngest and the smallest, the Lord looks upon his heart and chooses him. The Lord looks upon the inside because that was the most important. And how about that? How about that? How often do we go through life and only see those things that are on the outside? Never stopping to notice what's going on down deep, only seeing those things that are on the surface, on the top. We know all about that because that is the world in which we live. In our world, looks matter. Brains and smarts matter. Money and portfolios matter. Resumes and muscles and sports and results matter. People are judged by the color of their skin and what their passport says. They are labeled and put into small, neat boxes based on what they look like on the outside. And when Samuel goes looking for a king, David wasn't even worthy to be brought to the selection. But God chooses him based on his heart, despite all the mistakes that he is going to make. Because maybe you've heard the rest of the story. Once David ascends to the throne, he is going to trip and fall and have issues and fall short and mess up. But God chooses him anyway. God loves him. Anyway, because you never know what you may see when you stop and you look, not just on those cool things on the big screen, but how we are all connected as children of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. Though our world says that all the things on the outside matter the most, in the eyes of God, human beings matter. How about that? Can you even imagine what this world may be like if we started to see the world the way that God sees it? What kind of world in which we would have if we saw the world through God-shaped lenses? A world where we saw more blessing and love the anointing of God's peace in the most remarkable and astounding of places a world in which we saw God's love not just through those that we work with and live with and love, but among those people that we disagree with on everything. Among those who feel unloved and tossed aside, hidden and shuttered in our world, who don't check all the right boxes that we are sure that we do. All those who feel like no one else notices them. 
if we looked upon their heart and only saw the good that lived inside of them. That might just be enough to change the world for the better. One of the best preachers I've ever heard in my whole entire life was this guy by the name of Fred Craddock. He grew up in the mountains of Tennessee. His family was pretty poor, but his parents took him to church and to Sunday school every Sunday. He read tons of books because he loved to read and he put himself through school. And he became one of the best preachers in the whole entire world. But the thing about Fred Craddock was that he was about five foot four on a good day with like the best kind of shoes. And so when he would stand in the pulpit, he had to stand not only in front of the pulpit, but on top of a box to see over the microphone, over the pulpit, down in front of everybody else. He was that kind of a short of a guy. But he could tell stories like no one else. You would be listening for like 45 minutes Literally, 45 minutes, he would say amen and sit down, and there was this sense inside of you that you wished he would just keep on preaching. And for preacher nerds like me, he's like the gold standard. He could, I could tell you all kinds of stories that you don't desire to hear, but I could tell you them anyway, even though you don't really care about them, because he was so good. But the first time I heard him was actually at Will's Home Church. First Christian Church in Des Moines. Will wasn't born yet, but his grandfather was a senior pastor there. And we were there for the big old Disciples of Christ Church Convention. And he was the featured preacher on that Sunday morning. And so the place was packed. Think like Easter times 10. I was like nine years old, maybe eight years old. And when we arrived, there was no room in the inn, no seat to be found. Everybody had scrunched together as far as they can scrunch. And so we sat on the floor in front of the pulpit. I'm sure the fire marshal loved that, all of us sitting on the floor in front of the pulpit. And I have no idea what he said on that day, but I remember exactly where I was. And over the years, Fred Craddock said all kinds of things. But he said something once that's always stuck with me. He said the preacher basically has one sermon. Only one. God's grace. God's grace and love and forgiveness. And every other sermon that comes after that one is a variation on that one theme. For it is all about God's grace and love and forgiveness every time. That's it. This has been rolling through my mind for the past few days because it's not just for preachers, preachers and teachers and pastors, but it is for all of us. For in our life, we live days that are full and rich and busy, and we see all kinds of people, and we do all kinds of things. And so in our life, there is this one theme that runs through every single scene. It is God's grace and love. And what happens if it shows up in every conversation, every post and text and tweet and visit, God's grace is there as the undercurrent 
rolling along. Because it is there on our hearts, not just on the outside, but down deep. It is always there because God's love is there. And so the world in which we live says smarts matter and looks matter and brains matter the most with results. In the eyes of God, humankind matters because it is those things that are written on our heart. Amen. Will you join me in the call to communion? We gather at the table in response to Christ's invitation. Partaking of the bread and cup, we remember Christ's sacrifice. Christ meets us here each week, blessing us with his gracious presence. He fills us with the Spirit, empowering us to live faithfully all our days. Come, eat, and be filled. Drink and never thirst again. Thanks for listening to this week's message of hope from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ here in Burlington, Iowa. We are located at 1221 Park Avenue on the south side of town in between the airport and Dankwart Park. If you're looking for a new church home or searching for something beyond yourself, we hope you will join us for worship this Sunday morning. We offer two styles of worship each Sunday. Our traditional service is at 8.45 a.m., featuring beloved hymns of the faith. Our contemporary service is at 10.45 a.m. and is led by our amazing band. In both services, you'll hear a sermon similar to the one you listen to today on the radio. Be welcomed at the Lord's table for communion and join with us in prayer and praise. During the summer, children's church is offered at our 1045 service. There's no better way to begin our week in worship, so we hope you will join us here at First Christian Church.